Hello, welcome to Feed, Play, Love, the bite-sized podcast for parents. I'm Siobhan Hunt. This is a show all about parenting. I speak to experts and carers about everything from fussy eating, toddler behaviour, sleep and more. When new babies come into the world, they're so fragile and little, all you want to do is protect them. But what if they require surgery? due to birth complications or other issues in the first two years of their lives? And how can we best prepare them and ourselves? Associate Professor Sebastian King is a paediatric surgeon at the Royal Children's Hospital. He joins me now to tell us some more. Hi, Sebastian. How are you? Hi, Siobhan. How are you? Good, thank you. Um, What are the most common reasons for small, small children needing surgery? So I suppose there are two groups here that we have to think about. We have to think about the baby who needs an elective procedure and in most settings, at least for the surgery that I do, that's for boys mostly with an inguinal hernia that might have presented itself in the first couple of weeks of life and that's less common in the girls, so it does happen. And um, for the other group, it's the emergency surgery, and that tends to be in the in the very newborn babies um, who sadly might require surgery in the first one, two or three days of life uh, for an emergency procedure related to something that they were born with. Now, obviously, when it comes to emergency surgery, most parents would be, of course, off we go, let's, let's do what we can to help our child. Um, elective, though, seems to indicate that you have... Um, some element of choice in whether you go ahead with the surgery or not. Um, how do you weigh up the pros and cons when they're so small about getting elective, elective surgery? So I suppose when we talk about elective surgery, we mean uh, non-emergency surgery. And so most of the time the child and the baby will need the surgery. It just means that they don't necessarily need it done in the next 6 to 24 hours. And so, for example, a child who's having a hernia repair, a baby hernia repair, um, will require that surgery because if we don't fix that, they can run into problems. But it might be that we can wait one or two days or it might be that we can wait a week or so. And so we've got time to be able to prepare both the patient, the baby, but also the family so they're aware of what's going to happen, both leading up to the surgery, during the surgery, and then obviously afterwards as well. As I mentioned, once you have your baby, they they are incredibly vulnerable. They're still um, working out how to feed and sleep, all of those sorts of things. Would it be fair to say with um, most procedures, if it's possible, the older the baby is, the better it is when it comes to surgery? Yeah, so we try to defer the surgery as much as possible if we can and we do that for a number of reasons. One, because it's obviously nice for the baby to be at home with the family and uh, to be feeding and growing and the larger they are, the more robust they are, the more able they are to cope with the surgery. Also, in terms of the anaesthetics that they're going to undergo, um, it might be better for them to be a little bit older in terms of how they can cope with that anaesthetic. There's been a lot of discussion about the effects of anaesthesia on the developing baby brain and a lot of the work that's actually been based out of the children's here in Melbourne has shown that actually for the majority of cases the anaesthetic that children have in those first couple of months of life doesn't have any significant long-term impact on the babies they are growing and there's now a five-year worth of data to show that. 
but the larger the baby that is, the the more robust they are. The the tends to be that they um, are able to cope with the surgery just that little bit better. What are the dangers for a baby undergoing surgery? So I suppose we think about them from an anaesthetic point of view and then from a surgical point of view. And from an anaesthetic point of view, if the again, if the procedure is an elective procedure, it's incredibly safe if that, if that operation is being done in a specialist paediatric hospital with anaesthetists who have been specifically trained to look after small children. If you think about... Um, those babies and they're incredibly safe in the hands of our specialised anaesthetists. From a surgical point of view it will depend on what type of operation they're having but most of the time during the actual operation themselves they're incredibly safe Um, and again unless they're having an emergency operation where they're requiring um, a repair of something that's happening as an emergency in the setting of an elective procedure the pathway that we expect during that operation is is generally very smooth and then depending on what they've had done their post-operative recovery it might be that they're able to go home the same day it might be that they need to stay overnight for us to be able to monitor how their breathing is going what their pain relief's like how much food they're able to tolerate and then some babies depending on what we've needed to do will need to stay longer but the majority of those babies that are coming in for elective or non-emergency surgery are able to go home within that first 24 hours. Talking about older babies um, and elective procedures that might be something like a tonsillectomy or an adenoidectomy or however you say it. (laughs) Um, Adenoidectomy, yes. Yes. Um, So I know that my son, um, we took him to the ENT when he was about almost two, maybe a bit younger, and it was suggested that he get his adenoids out then. And I remember thinking, gosh, he's really small to go into surgery. And we left it and he ended up getting them taken out when he was three or four. Um, With those types of surgeries, as a parent, I know that my reaction was probably purely emotional. I, I didn't feel comfortable with him being that small and going to surgery. And then we later discovered he just, he needed it. He had sleep apnea, so he had to get them taken out. What would you say to parents who get that kind of advice for a child at, of, say, two years of age? Um, thinking again, when we look at them as babies, we think they're going to be more robust when they're older. Does that still apply when they're toddlers? Yeah, so I suppose the important thing is to to recognise that you know, a a average two year old will weigh ten to twelve kilos, and that we are trained as surgeons to look after babies that might be less than a kilogram in size, wow. and so in terms of the um, uh, the safety and the size of the patient, they, they, that, that your son might look small to you, relatively small to you, but he looks relatively large to us. <laughs> and, and from an anaesthetic point of view, again, very safe. Um, there are advantages in some of those procedures to having the operation done sooner rather than later in terms of what the, what the child will remember. And there's some evidence that if um, surgeries are done before around the age of three and a half to four years, that the actually the, the the child won't actually remember those procedures unless they're reminded of them by their family. Mm. Um, so for some of the procedures, we actually recommend that they have those done earlier. But um, in terms of uh, the older the child, the, the some of the things that you then have to weigh in uh, to the discussion and the decision is around fasting times, for example. So once uh, babies are over six months of age, their fasting times before theatre change. 
and uh, um, the way they're able to cope with that changes. So under six months of age, um, we're able to fast the babies for a shorter period of time. And so, and, we've, and that time's been getting shorter and shorter over the years. So we've now got it to that, that children are able to have water or clear apple juice up to an hour before the surgery safely. And if they're breastfed, uh, at least in our hospital, the, the protocol is that up to six months of age, they can fast, um, they can have breast milk till three hours before the surgery. But once we get over six months of age, the ability of the stomach to clear that fluid changes. And so we then need to fast those children for the more solids, uh, foods and for milk uh, for a longer period of time, which obviously then... Um, causes its own issues. Families and parents distressed, get distressed over how long their child's going to be fasted for. So we try to plan our operations and timing in such a way that the youngest child will have their surgery first um, and then uh, we'll work through that so that the older children who can cope with the fasting a little bit better tend to be towards the end of an operating list rather than at the beginning. You've just mentioned there, I guess, some of the prep that would be different for children and adults in terms of fasting time. Yes. What are the differences during surgery and then post-operatively? I suppose during the surgery itself that the there aren't a huge amount of differences um, in terms of the way the uh, anaesthetist does uh, her or his work, the ability to put the child to sleep, um, to support their breathing, all of the same techniques that are used in adults are used in children. Sometimes it's a little bit different in the approach of putting a child to sleep because uh, you and I going for an anaesthetic will lie there and have a needle put in and they'll and the anaesthetic agent will be put through the needle and we'll go off to sleep. Often for the children, they don't want the needle, so more often than not, we'll use the anaesthetist will use a mask, and that might be a flavoured mask, so that they're able to breathe off and go off to sleep like that. Often with the parent uh, with them as they're going off to sleep, and then once they're asleep with the with the uh, uh, gas, then a needle can be put in. In terms of after the surgery. I'm constantly amazed by how incredibly quickly children will recover from surgery, including only this week I saw a patient that I'd operated on four weeks ago um, who'd had a hernia repair, who had woken up and that afternoon was climbing up on blocks at home and and had to be reminded by his parents that he'd actually had an inguinal hernia repair. And when they showed him his wound and his scar, he couldn't believe that that had actually happened to him that morning. (laughs) Now, if I'd had a hernia repair, I think I'd be lying in bed for the next week, uh, requiring sympathy from everybody. (laughs) Um, Now, children, preparing children for a hospital stay, obviously when they're babies, we don't have to think through it much. Um, (laughs) What would you suggest for older children who are more cognizant of what might be going on? I I think, and it's a personal preference, but I think it's really important to let the the children know that they're going into hospital. Um, Often we'll see families who are very anxious about telling their child for various reasons, and so don't tell them, and then arrive on the day, or have told them they're going to hospital, but it's for something else, and then all of a sudden on the day they're fasted and they're in a waiting room and they're getting changed into hospital clothes. And it's all coming as a terrible surprise to them. So I personally believe, and I think that my anaesthetic and surgical colleagues would agree with me, that the honesty is the best policy. And so being able to prepare them and say, you're going into hospital, we're only going to be staying during the day or we're going to stay overnight. And so that they're aware of 
what is going to be happening and so and letting them know that the families will be with them um, and certainly from an from an anaesthetic point of view again all of my colleagues are very happy for the for at least one of the family members to come in whilst the patient uh, baby's going off to sleep um, so that they're at least um, reassured that one of their family members is there as they are um, going off to sleep for the surgery. I suppose the most important question, though, is how do parents cope? Because um, I know when my son had his tonsils out, my husband said to me, well, I did the sleep test, so you have to do the theatre with him. (laughs) And uh, it was a tonsillectomy and an adenoidectomy, so it was all very straightforward. I knew he'd be fine, but I still found it really quite difficult watching him go under. Um, For those of us who aren't necessarily that um, used to hospitals or the procedures themselves and parents, how how can we stay calm for our kids? Because we don't want to distress them. Yeah, no, that's that's a very uh, good question. And and it's also often completely unpredictable which parent is going to cope more um, or cope better with the procedure. You'll often have the uh, the father who will go in um, who is going to be the tough one who is all of a sudden woozy and having to be looked after themselves. Um, so that's not that's not an unusual circumstance where the sight of uh, their child going off to sleep can be quite distressing. So I suppose having a having a conversation um, if there are two parents about you know who who they which one feels that they're going to be able to do that, and also bearing in mind that uh, sometimes uh, the anaesthetist will say, look, do do one of you want to come in? And if both of you say, well, actually, no, um, we don't, then that's absolutely fine as well because the uh, recognising that the children are with experts, both the anaesthetist but also the anaesthetic technicians and the team that's around them in terms of being able to support them and help them get their children off to sleep. But um, I think it is important that the parents are aware that this can be a, a quite an emotional period for them as well and recognising that it's all right um, to be... Uh, upset and it's all right to cry because um, the the team there is used to that and is there to help you. Mm, Especially if you can get to the door of the surgery before you cry, which is what I did. Um, And so post-operatively, children um, aren't always the best at listening to their parents when it comes to, like you mentioned, that little boy climbing up Mm. the blocks with his wound. Um, Is there any way of um, looking after them post-operatively when they've They've got so much energy and it's really hard to keep them still. Well, one of the many reasons why I went into paediatric surgery was that the children, when they are unwell, they're unwell. And when they're well, they don't malinger the majority of the time. And so if a child's recovered from their surgery and they're comfortable and they're able to move, then they will move. Um, And we actually end up causing more trauma and more distress if we try to restrain them in that situation. So I say to the families after, say, a hernia repair, um, if they want to move, that they will move. And if you're sitting there trying to restrain them, that's actually putting more stress on them and on you and on the repair than if you just let them move around as they see fit. If they're still uncomfortable, they won't move. They're sensible like that. And so I think that the parents of children who've had surgery can can largely be rest, rest assured that if the kids are up and moving, then they're fine. And if they need um, extra pain relief, then it's absolutely safe for them to have that. The hospitals will send them home with the right advice in terms of Panadol and Nurofen and escalating pain requirements as needed. But the majority of children are able to recover incredibly quickly from their surgery. Sebastian, thank you so much for your time today. It's a pleasure.
That was Associate Professor Sebastian King. He's a paediatric surgeon at the Royal Children's Hospital in Melbourne. We'll put links to some more resources in the notes of this episode. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced by Debbie Ning and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. We'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email us at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.